Yeah. And I feel that my life experiences have led me to a place where I do feel that, like, I feel uh, like I'm okay being in a place of surrender enough that I can be catalyzed, if yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, you guys remind me of uh, my students in Daytona, the college here. They have a, a great surfing team, like one of the best, you know. So you yeah. Can, Right. And yes. you guys are the surfers. The way they describe the experience yes. when they're surfing. They're always yes. arriving. They're, and they and yet yes. they're never there. Um so it's yes. um is that is that accurate? I don't know. You, 100%. Also, I mean living in San Francisco, right? Like yeah, you know, yeah, I know yeah. a lot of surfers and, and that, yeah, that's that's so I've used that that metaphor before too. Really? And you yeah. know, man, the minute you hold rigid to that board, you are down for the count. Yeah. You've got to be light and you've got to move with how the board is moving and move with how the waves are moving. And the minute you become rigid or try to predict, that's when that's when you when you fall off your board. Um, And 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 I, I guess that's that's how I've learned after, like Joel was saying, getting knocked on my ass time and time and time again and getting pulled under that riptide and, you know, and, and being pulled to the bottom and not knowing if I was going to come back up that I learned man surrendering is a hell of a lot easier. It's scary, but I'll tell you, it's a hell of a lot easier. And you, yeah. And, and I got, so you really, so then in that sense, um, maybe Joel, because I, you're, you're pretty active active meditators still right joel because it sounds like what you're describing lisa is is living i'm not at all no i know but it sounds like what you're describing is living meditation in a sense Mm -hmm. it's interesting i I have a i have a couple things that i want to offer up um one rich is something that allowed me to to be uh more comfortable existentially was actually a rabbinical teaching um, and it's a, actually a very beautiful story. And, um, um, but it's about Reb Zusha. Reb Zusha was a, uh, was, a, a student of a great Rav, a great rabbi. And he had his own following. He was, you know, known to be very, very poor. Um, didn't have a lot of money and, um, saw everything as kind of like a blessing, but, you know, with his students, he, he, I think he had quite a few very uh, um, profound students become great masters in their own right. And uh, when it was time for Reb Zusha to depart from this world, um, you know, the students gathered around him on his sort of like his deathbed. And uh, uh, they were all talking and discussing with him different things. And uh, it arose that one of the students asked him, they said, uh, Reb Zusha, you know, what are you scared of? Like, you're, you know, your time is coming and um, time to depart from this world and go to the next. And in, in Judaism and Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism and in Jewish teachings, you when you, you pass, you go to a heavenly court. So the, the balance of your deeds are determined by a heavenly court. The interesting spin on that is the Baal Shem Tov taught that um, that what happens is actually the judge of that. We don't know who the judge is because um, uh, the soul that judges has actually been disembodied from the memory of the incarnation itself. So if you follow what I'm saying, you yourself judge your own life without memory that yes. it was your life that you huh. were living. So yes. 
ultimately you yourself are your own judge and your own jury. And so the teaching out of that is always in Judaism to judge everybody favorably because one day it'll be you yourself judging yourself. Mm-hmm. But to get back to Reb Zusha, um, Reb Zusha, you know, Reb Zusha thought about the question that his student had about what he would fear uh, when he died. And um, Reb Zusha thought it long and hard. And, and it came to him, he said, you know, if I, if I get to the heavenly court and um, the, the, the heavenly voice cries out, why weren't you like Abraham? Reb Zusha said, I won't be afraid. And uh, Reb Zusha said, if the heavenly voice cries out, why weren't you like Moses? Reb Zusha said, I will not be afraid. Reb Zusha said, the only thing that scares me is that if the heavenly voice cries out, why weren't you Reb Zusha? I'll be very, very afraid. And so, you know, I, I take that as a teaching that you know, there's this notion that we have in the human incarnation, because we are socialized and social beings, that there are ideas of perfectionism and ideals to attain that are messages given to us, which help us along our mission path, but it can also be impediments to us being our true self, as Lisa has talked about. And so I really think that letting that letting go that Lisa and I did in, in destabilization in our mental health conditions, that we reassembled ourselves, but we reassembled ourselves with veils penetrated, certain veils were penetrated um, that are that are placed in this human incarnation. And one of the things that I was thinking about with you, Rich, is that you may not even realize how the universe utilizes you. It is veiled from you. And let me assure you this, this is just my own take on it, but it is with good reason, but it is not that that veil cannot be penetrated. So that both are true, that you may not understand as Lisa is is offered in testimony and and Veritas, her experiences of your profound impact. And let me assure you, Rich, uh, you know, a bat strikes a ball, you know, it's not like gas liquid solid. You're not looking at like a gas striking a solid or whatever liquid, like you struck her in that way because there's something in you that is that way. And um, so I wanted to point that out and reflect that back to you. And I also wanted to say that, um, you know, very, very pointedly, you know, I came across this passage from Zen mind, beginner's mind, Um, you know, there are two, they're, they're essentially in my understanding of American Zen, the transmission of uh, from India to China to Japan to America, two of the the foundational texts or books on American Zen are one is Zen Mind Beginner's Mind Shunru Suzuki's uh, informal talks on Zen Taisho essentially Taisho is a Taisho is a Zen sermon I guess you could describe it as like a Zen sermon um, so it's his informal talks on Zen and uh, the other is the Three Pillars of Zen which uh, is Roshi Philip Kaplu. The, the the thing that I want to share with you now, Rich, is uh, and Lisa is uh, it's from Zen Mind Beginner's Mind, and it's it's transiency, transiency. So it it says we should find perfect existence through imperfect existence. The basic teaching of Buddhism is the teaching of transiency or change. That everything changes is the basic truth for each existence. No one can deny this truth, and all the teachings of Buddhism are condensed within it. This is the teaching for all of us, 
Wherever we go, this teaching is true. This teaching is also understood as the teaching of selflessness or emptiness, shunyata. Your and Lisa and mine, our original face, our original self. It is the very backdrop which all physical reality takes place. It doesn't change in us. It always has been and forever will be, cannot be destroyed. Because each existence is in constant change, there is no abiding self. In fact, the self-nature of each existence is nothing but change itself, the self-nature of all existence. There is no special, separate self-nature for each existence. You and I and Lisa are all the same thing. And And that's also the backdrop of karma. So And I think I wanted to share this with you because I wanted to point to this fundamental point for me when we talk about meaning, mission, and purpose. For me, fundamentally, it is summed up in only one word. If you want to know your meaning, your mission, and your purpose, the totality of it is summed up in one word. And it is through the the veracity and the ferociousness and the dedication to this one word will determine the quality of your understanding of your meaning, mission, and purpose. And that word is service. Service. How deeply you serve, how deeply you serve others, because we are all the same self. You're only eventually through karmic return of what you offer. We reach a, a, a point. We are the center of the universe itself. It has been given to us by the universe to be the center point of the universe itself to build the world we wish to inhabit through how we move through this incarnation and every incarnation with the notion that all we give in intention, thought, action, and speech returns to us like in kind, beauty to beauty, hatred to hatred. And so because we are all the same self, what I give to Lisa and what I give to you is what I receive. And the quality of our experience, Rich and Lisa, the quality of our experience is not what we receive from others. It's what we give to others. You guys are freaking great. <laughs> I really mean it. I, I love you guys. I, I, I that, That's, that, that's, I mean, both of what you have imparted to me is so, I, I know, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm still, I may be still, um, you know, <laughs> on a long journey, but I feel like I'm closer to some essential, to some essential aspect of it. I just, I, I and again, and not, not listen, I, I would love to talk about me for, for hours or more, but, but I, but I really am curious, um, to know from you guys. And, and, and Ruth, this is about me. I, maybe that's why if I do evoke these things in other people, but through my questioning, it's because I am just genuinely seeking. When I find somebody yes. with wisdom, I'm just all over and I'm dying and I need that. And I, I'm wondering with you guys, um, and again, it really does almost seem trivial because of all the things you've talked about, about the nature of your connection to the universe, because it seems so much wider than this. But how has how has this made you come to terms with the idea of just biological death, with the fact that you're, you know, with mortality in that sense? So it's it's really, it's really, uh, I mean, I, th- I think that there, you know, the very nature of our human life is a paradox because we cannot exist without connection and relationship and comfort and love. And yet we are asked again and again to relinquish these things lifetime after lifetime. And so people can say, yeah, I don't, I don't fear death or, you know, I'm, I'm pretty brave or, you know, that you can say that they're all different kinds of 
different relationships and comforts within permanence. Um, for me, um, I feel in this conversation to articulate the need that I'm very vulnerable, very, very susceptible to the suffering and grief of loss and pain and death. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So it hasn't, it's not like something you've overcome because of the insights you you've garnered from the universe. Well, I mean, the, my my backdrop, my understanding of it is that, I mean, to speak about this in very genuine terms, is that my father and I have a very deep, ancient past life affinity and connection. Mm-hmm. Um, there are reasons that make sense that we have evolved and, and through time to this time and place. And yet, um, I just, you know... I, you know, there are things that Rumi says, do not grieve. Anything you lose comes around in another form. And so you're tested in that regard with death. Um, what I let go of is actually memory and attachment of this time and place. But I don't need to let love always finds love again. Like um, when when the bond is deep enough, the karma returns in future incarnations in the in the cognition and the cognition and memory may not be there from the previous incarnation, but yeah. oftentimes consciousness itself does a strange thing where time may slow when you reconnect with an ancient past life connection. It's happened to me before on a couple of occasions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm fascinated by that because, you know, really if you examine there's a great sensitivity for our for our experiences that aren't cognitive and aren't even embodied about this incarnation, but a soul connection, reconnecting um, after you know loving and relinqu- relinquishing or, or releasing that love and connection and finding it again. There's something so exquisite in the um, not knowing that I have known this person before. I mean, there's something beautiful about that. So I'm just wondering, you know, it's, we've been going at this for about an hour and 40 minutes and I'm just wondering, um, I, I really just want to put Lisa on the spot and see, do you have a poem for us, Lisa? <laughs> do I have a poem? <laughs> what do you got? What do you got? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, uh, should I read the one that you liked, Joel? <laughs> Very generous like that. Where's the mics, man? The mics hard lemonade? Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. All right. Rich, that's a reference. We did a podcast in 2013 <laughs> in a in a, in uh Lisa's Hyundai Elantra in a, a gas station parking lot. I listened Alan, to that. Alan listened and, to that. and uh Delaware. Yeah. We had uh American Spirits and uh Mike's Hard Lemonade and I think we had Rumi. We had uh Roshi Phelps Kaplu's Zen teachings and practice. Yep. Some Pringles. What else? <laughs> and by and it was a three hour long thing. And man, by the end of it, we were wasted. <laughs> but it got more and more hilarious as as time went on. It was a blast. It was yeah. just awesome. Yeah. I heard. That. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, so poem. All right, I'm going to read this one because you liked it the other day, Joel, okay? Okay. All right. So um, this has been a recurring theme in my life. Um, and so this uh, this poem is, uh, I think, captures that sense of 
longing and the finding the balance between like what I want and what the universe wants of me and me trying to extract from other people <laughs> what I want from them. <laughs> um, and, and the frustration that I come up against um, when I, when I do that. And this, I think is a reminder to uh, just like, let all that go. But, uh, and, and I just want to share that uh, this poem came out of, um, so, um, so this was one of the poems that I, that I wrote in that context. So this is uh, like last year. My words dropped like acorn husks, heavy and hollow, hoarded by thieves who stuff them in cheeks and bury them for days bereft of light. I reach into your empty mouth with fingers attempting sleight of hand to manifest oaks from fallen ash. Not a snap nor a gong can yield a forest from a sapling, nor yield a bridge from charred leaves, nor transform your silence into a symphony. If I'm alone in the forest, did I make a sound at all? Thank you. Any final thoughts? What would you like to say in wrapping up here today? I just, you know, this, I do want to say this. I, I, I've i come to a place in spirituality, spiritual. What is practical for me is now what is spiritual and what is spiritual for me is practical. Um, yeah, well, just for me, I, I think, you know, that message um, combined with, you know, Lisa's saying about um, maybe, you know, for me, um, grounding my, you know, this search that I have, uh, this relentless, endless search that I have in, in the bot, in my body and, and, and in my, the immediacy of my just becoming aware immediately of where I am physically and even psychologically in a, in a more just sort of visceral way. The Zen, you know, what is it? Chop wood and fetch water, <laughs> something along that's where enlightenment is or whatever. And, um, maybe, maybe that is a, a good, a good, in, in some sense, a good narrow lesson for me to, to, uh, to focus on. And Lisa, I'm just wondering, we, what do you want to take us out with? What thought or vision or sharing that you want to express to take us out with? The magnitude of the gift of both of you in my life. I don't have the words. Um, I just feel so, I, I feel beyond privilege to just have been given the gift of both of you in my life and rich, it's been 30 years mm -hmm. and we've had quite a journey <laughs> and I'm so grateful that you've been a companion on that journey and the many vicissitudes of it. Uh, I'm so very grateful for that. So, um, I, I love you both so dearly, and I I, I just feel humbled and, and grateful to have you both in my life as teachers and companions. So thank you.